Welcome to Daily Defining Moments. This is Pastor Allen, and I'm so glad you're with me. Our goal each day is to help you open your Bible and connect with Jesus. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We're reading through the New Testament portion of the One Year Bible in the New Living Translation. Today is January 28th, and our reading comes from Matthew chapter 18. If you remember from yesterday, Jesus says, if somebody sins against you, go privately. If that doesn't work out, take somebody you trust that's spiritually mature, if that doesn't work out, bring it to the church leaders. Well, now Peter is going to ask a related and similar question. Watch what he says. He says, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. So when Peter said seven, he really was feeling good about himself because the law required the Jew to forgive three times. So Peter's thinking, man, I've, I've gone way above and beyond. And Jesus said, no, we need to forgive and forgive and forgive. So then he tells this parable. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accountants up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. And in the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me. I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars and he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. Well, his fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Well, when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man in prison to be tormented, tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brother and sister from your heart. Man, what a strong warning, right? And basically what Jesus is teaching us is because we have been forgiven countless times by God, our King, we owed a debt we could never pay, and God had mercy on us, forgave our sin, and even welcomed us into his family. Therefore, how can we hold unforgiveness to other people? What they've done to us is like a few dollars compared to the million dollar debt we owe to God. So if God has forgiven us a lifetime of sin, why is it so difficult for us to forgive this one thing somebody did to us this week or to forgive repeatedly? You know, the truth is, 
when you're in relationship, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, but when you're in relationship, especially for years with people, good people that love Jesus and love you, they're still going to sin against you. They're still going to hurt you. They're still going to offend you. They're still going to be insensitive to you. And we all have to forgive again and again and again. So something else to notice that's so important is that when this man doesn't forgive, the king turns him over to be tormented. And I think when we refuse to forgive, we open our heart and we come under spiritual attack. We begin to be tormented by our unforgiveness and bitterness and rage. Listen, for the sake of our own soul, let's forgive the people around us. Now, let me clarify something. Just because we forgive someone doesn't always mean we can be reconciled to them. Doesn't mean we can always be friends anymore. Sometimes it doesn't mean we can stay married, right? We also have to guard our hearts, for out of our hearts flow the issues of life. This is what boundaries is all about. And if that's a new idea to you, I recommend you get the book, Boundaries by Townsend and Clouds. Very kind of Christian classic that'll help you to understand this idea. So I've got to forgive, but I've also got to guard my heart. So if somebody's in a pattern of mistreating me the same way over and over again, I've got to create a boundary so that person isn't enabled to continue to harm me because over time, if I'm continually wounded and injured that way, eventually I lose my capacity My heart is so scarred, I'm unable to love that person. And in fact, it makes it difficult for me to love anybody because I'm so wounded. So I've got to guard my heart. And sometimes I have to create a boundary. And typically in our relationships, especially with the people that we want to maintain long-term relationships, when we create a boundary, it helps them to realize that their behavior is really inflicting a lot of pain and damage to my heart. And typically, they change their behavior because they realize we don't let them get away with it anymore, right? So that's the importance of boundaries. And when I forgive, it doesn't mean I'm opening my heart and saying, come on in, you can hurt me again. But what it does mean is I'm opening my heart and I'm getting that poison, the poison of unforgiveness, the poison of bitterness out. And then I've got to decide. And sometimes I need a trusted friend to help me decide. How do we navigate this relationship moving forward? Okay, now watch this next section. So important. Chapter 19, verse 3. Some Pharisees came trying to trap Jesus and they asked the question, should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Well, haven't you read the scripture, Jesus replied? They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this means why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Since they're no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away, they asked. Well, Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts, but it was not what God had originally intended. And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits 
adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. So here's the big idea, is that God believes marriage is a permanent union, that the two become one. And so what divorce does is it rips apart this union. It would be very similar to taking two pieces of paper, putting glue on them, and sticking them together. And then a couple hours later, trying to tear the two pieces apart. No, the two have become one. And if you try to separate them now, everybody loses. Everybody gets ripped. In fact, this is what Malachi says in Malachi chapter 2 when he says God hates divorce. The reason is, he says, it just does damage to the soul of your spouse. That's why marriage is, is so important. When we enter into marriage, God unites us as one and intends for that to be a permanent relationship. And typically, when we get married, this is so important to understand, typically we have problems. I mean, I don't know a single married couple who would say, we got married and it was all smooth sailing. We got along great. We agreed on everything. We didn't fight. Marriage was easy. Every couple I know says marriage was a challenge. But the truth is the challenge is good for us. Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. Well, one of the trials we face in life is dealing with marriage because all of a sudden you've got two adults who are coming together and sharing everything. And it creates a lot of friction. And so what that does, though, is it exposes the immaturity of our character. It exposes our selfishness. It exposes our flesh. It exposes our pride. It exposes our carnality. It creates an opportunity for us to invite the Spirit of God into that relationship, into our hearts to help us grow and mature. Because listen, the truth is, as I grow and mature, I grow in my capacity to love Tina. And as she grows and mature, she grows in her ability, her capacity to love me. See, the problem isn't marriage. Marriage simply exposes the problem, the immaturity in our hearts. But the good news is that creates an opportunity for us to grow and mature. It's not good for man to be alone. Marriage is good because it helps us to become more like Jesus. Now, Jesus says, but there is an exception. And the exception would be if your spouse has been sexually unfaithful. Why is that the exception? Well, again, think about those two pieces of paper. What Jesus is saying is when you got married, the two pieces of paper covered in glue, they were stuck together. But one of you decided to rip the union apart and get glued to somebody else. Well, when that happens, you're not obligated to go over there and rip that relationship apart so that you can be re-glued to your tattered and torn wife with your tatter or husband with your tattered and torn soul. So basically what Jesus is saying is because God has made you one, if your spouse decides to rip that union apart and be united to somebody else, you're not obligated to rip their union apart and you're not obligated to be reunited to your spouse once they've ripped apart from this other person, right? So in that case, God gives you the freedom to heal. 
and then down the road to be to remarry when the time is appropriate. But marriage is a permanent relationship. Stay in the battle. Come on, let's fight for our marriages. Let's work at it. I can tell you, I've been married now for more than 26 years and building a great marriage has done more to transform my life and has become such a blessing to me. I'm so grateful that we didn't give up. We didn't throw in the towel. When our marriage 26 years ago was falling apart, we stayed in the battle. And God has, man, I'm so blessed because of that and so grateful for my wife and all God has done in me and for me through my marriage. So stay in the battle. Keep fighting for it. Now, let me touch on one last thing before we close. Verse 10, Jesus' disciples then say, would it be better then for people not to marry? If this is true, would it be better not to marry? And Jesus says, well, only a few people can handle this whole single thing. But I do want to say, marriage is not heaven. It is not the end all, be all. You know, two of the greatest people in history were single. Jesus and the Apostle Paul, right? John the Baptist was single, right? So being married is not our goal. So I I just want to say, because I know that there are probably lots of singles listening to this podcast, and I want to make sure you understand the goal in your life is not to be married. The goal in your life is to follow Jesus. And as you follow Jesus, if one day you discover somebody else following Jesus who's on the same path you're on and you decide to get married, praise the Lord. But if you don't, it doesn't mean you're a failure. doesn't mean God doesn't love you. doesn't mean your life doesn't count. Man, you can spend your life serving the Lord. In fact, I love what the Apostle Paul says about his own singleness. He says, listen, I don't have the burden of a wife and family, I can serve the Lord. And so if you're single, I would just encourage you to see that the church is your family and following Jesus and building his kingdom is your mission and trust that God will give you in that context all the emotional and relational things that we all need. But your life matters. The goal is not to be married. The goal is to follow Jesus. So let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for what we've learn today, God, I pray that you would help us all to forgive in order to really guard our hearts. And God, I pray that you would help us to fight and to fight for marriage, to fight for great relationships. And for those of us who aren't married and may never be married, let's fight for healthy relationships because relationships help us all grow and mature. And the more we become like you, the easier our relationships become. Listen, every relationship could use a little more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So God, work, build, grow that in our hearts so that all of our relationships can prosper. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks again for being with me today. I hope that encourages you. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We'll see you again tomorrow.